Y'all ready for week two of this? Come on, y'all ready? All right, good, because this is, I think this is probably my favorite week of the three weeks. This is my favorite one. This is the one I struggle with the most, what we're going to talk about today. But hey, we're so glad you're here, just like we've said many, many times. And uh, man, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of Give a Meal. Okay, Give a Meal is something we did before we even started meeting in person. Uh, Mr. Todd at the Chick-fil-A in Rivergate would let us use his parking lot on Sundays. So we were kind of cheating the system already. Going to Chick-fil-A on Sundays. And uh, we have a caterer on our team that was actually making uh, like food to hand out to people. And we did it for a couple times. We're like, man, this is awesome. And after the last time we did it on Super Bowl Sunday here, uh, we were like, man, we got to find out a way to do this. Well, lo and behold, God uh, dropped in our laps. Or we're giving away, I'm going to tell you right now, to date, we've given away almost 10,000 pounds of food over the last three weeks. This little bitty church, come on, give God a hand. This little bitty church has given away 10,000 pounds of food over the last three weeks to people that need it. That's amazing. But the most amazing thing about Give a Meal is every car that comes into our parking lot, we look them in the eyes and say, hey, how can we pray for you today? And that is where everything changes right there. I'm, I'm talking people's whole persona and attitude changes. They think they're coming to just get a box of groceries. But, man, we have been praying for healing for some people. Uh, we prayed for a lady uh, a couple weeks ago who came forward in her car, and she's like, well, we've been trying to have a baby for 12 years. And so we are like, well, hey, we're going to pray and ask God to give you a baby, uh, you know, this month. Why not? You know, and so I have no idea if she's pregnant. I hope she is. I hope she comes back and says we're pregnant, and I Cannot wait for that. We've been praying for people to find jobs. We've been praying for people that, man, COVID has ruined their families. I mean, they have, I mean, we've been praying all kinds of stuff for people. And I am so thankful for that. And so, hey, I'm telling you, it is worth asking off work early to come on a Monday to be a part of it. I'm telling you, it is. There's not many things that I would say that about. You got to earn money for, I get it. It is worth getting off work early for one week. Spend a, an hour of vacation time and come and do that. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Last week, we pulled that trailer in the parking lot full of food, and there were, 20, there were cars spilling out into the road getting ready to, to like, get this stuff. And every person is prayed for. Every person gets invited to church through their box. And so, man, I'm telling you, this is a really cool thing that we're doing, and you need to come be a part of it at least one week. We're doing it seven more times tomorrow, including tomorrow. So come and be a part of it at least once. I promise you're going to love it. And we could use the help, to be honest with you. It's, it's really fun. The people that have been coming have come every week because it's awesome. Um, and it's not because they have to be here. They don't have to be here. But it's really, it really is awesome. So I just want to give that a little shout out. All right, so When the Devil Knocks Part 2. Last week we got to talk about the devil. We're talking about him again. And I'm telling you, he hit our family hard this week. All right, he's not happy. The devil ain't happy that we're fasting. And the devil ain't happy that we're making fun of him for the next three weeks. Okay, so if something weird happens, like last week the video thing didn't work. And that's just, I'm telling you, the devil's in the details. You've heard it said, it's true. It really is. So he ain't happy. So if something crazy goes on while this is happening, if a video doesn't work, all that stuff, who cares? All right? We're, we're talking about him because I want to teach you about him. I want to teach you about your enemy. Because if you can know about your enemy, you can know how to defeat your enemy. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. But I want to remind you, it's not a matter of if he attacks. It's a matter of when he attacks. He's attacking. And the Bible tells us this in Ephesians, and none of this is going to be on the screen because it was spring break and I didn't do it. I'm just going to be honest with you, so y'all are going to have to take my word for it tonight. So it says this in Ephesians, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
So hey, when you come across that person that you don't like, whenever you come across that situation you don't like, and whenever you come across things in your life, listen, they're not the problem. The problem is not flesh and blood, it says. But we fight against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark world, against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. I told you last night, the devil's real. He's in this, I'm telling you, he might not be in this room, but his people are in this room right now. There's also God in this room right now, so we ain't got nothing to worry about. But I'm telling you, there's something happening in a, in a realm that we can't see. I know I sound crazy. I feel like I should have a, this is the end sign. But I'm telling you, this is not, I'm not being crazy. It's real. But our fight is not against the physical things. Our fight is against these spiritual powers, the Bible says. That's why we do things like 21 days of prayer and fasting. Man, my, my fight does not happen on my keyboard or on my phone, on Instagram. My fight doesn't happen. Uh, with, you know, I don't fist fight people. I hope I don't ever have to fist fight anybody. But my fighting happens in prayer. My fighting happens uh, when I read God's word. That's where my fighting happens. That's where your fighting should happen. So we started talking about this guy named the devil. He's called a lot of things in the Bible. He's called the Lucifer. He's uh, called the deceiver, the destroyer, the accuser, the father of lies. He's called the prince of darkness. Um, And so we learned a few things. Last week we talked about how Satan is the deceiver who attacks our mind with lies. That's one thing he does. He deceives. He's also the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. We're going to talk about that next week. And this week we're going to talk about how Satan is the accuser. Y'all say accuser. Come on, y'all say accuser. There we go. He's the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. He attacks your heart with accusations. Now, we're going to get personal tonight. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, how does he know this about me? I don't. I'm just telling you, you're a human. I'm a human. I go through the same exact things you go through. So we're going to get a little, it's going to get a little personal tonight, but hey, there's good news. All right, so we're about to get to some bad news, but there's good news, and it's going to come, okay? So I just want to prepare you right now. We're going to be talking about some stuff that might get a little personal, but it's okay. Um, But uh, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm going to share this with you because you're like my family, okay? I'm going to share this with you. This is going to be a major shock to all of you in this room, but I'm going to share it anyway. Stephanie and I's relationship is not perfect, okay? I know that's a shocker. I know y'all are like, there's no way. There's, I'm telling you, it's not perfect. In fact, uh, if you've been in our marriage group before or if we've done premarital counseling with you or if I've known you've gotten married, I give you this unsolicited advice all the time, okay? I tell you, your first year of marriage is typically your worst year of marriage because you have no clue what it's like to live with another person other than your family. Even if you have roommates, it's not even close to the same thing as having a spouse in the house. And so Stephanie and I were no exception this. We've been best friends since the eighth grade. She's the most wonderful person I've ever met. I couldn't imagine my life with anyone else. Um, But that meant when we got married, we knew how to push each other's buttons. And we did on purpose all the time. Um, And uh, I'm talking like when we fought, it was like, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) We're going for the jugular. Like this is not a joke anymore. You know, so we would fight about stuff like Loading the dishwasher right. Has anyone ever had this fight before in their house? Come on, no, no. Listen, I would load the dishwasher with the knife blades facing up. And that was wrong. I didn't know that was wrong. But apparently, Stephanie has a fear of tripping by the, the, the dishwasher and getting stabbed. I don't know. Um, and so that, I remember that being, a, I mean, 
We fought about that hard. I'm talking door slamming, uh, yelling, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we were vicious. So we fought about this kind of stuff. Our whole first year of marriage was honestly that, learning how to communicate with each other. Now we get in disagreements every once in a while, just like you guys do. But there are a couple times where we, I mean, we make up for lost time, okay? Like it'll, the, the crap will hit the fan to say it nicely. Uh, and then it is like on after that, you know? And so it doesn't happen much now. We communicate so much better. I honestly love her more now than I ever have. But uh, I'm about to tell you about a fight we had a few years ago that was one for the books, okay? And uh, so I'm just gonna tell you right now, it's, it's gonna get real. Uh, we have had, we've not had until recently a car that has the navigation system on the screen, okay? Praise the Lord. Can we just praise God for a second for cars that navigate, or at least I can plug my phone into? So we now have a car that has this, and I'm convinced we only have this car now because of what I'm about to tell you, all right? So typically how this went is I, I didn't want to hold my phone and look at my phone and be typing on my phone while I'm driving. So typically, if I'm going somewhere I've never been before, I put the address into Google Maps. I then hand the phone to Stephanie, expecting that Google would tell me how to get to where I'm going, okay? I don't need any help from her other than just hold the phone. I just need to hold the phone. So if I need to just glance quickly at them, I can see the map, you know. Um, well, Stephanie will get the phone. And just volume down, all the way down. I can't hear Google tell me anything. She turns it down, and, uh, and Stephanie has not been known for giving the best directions in the past. And so this has caused many, many arguments in the car. Well, this in particular time, I was kind of sick of it, and I thought, we're going to a friend's house. I know how to get to the friend's house. Uh, but, I, but the problem was I'd never gone to this friend's house from the place I was starting. I was typically starting at my house. Well, now we're at Target. I don't know how to get to their house from Target, but I know how to get to the place where I know how to get to. Does that make sense how to get to their house? Well, Stephanie had left Target earlier in that week, I think, and had gone to this person's house from Target, and she used her phone with the volume up, I will add, okay, uh, with the volume up. So she, she knew how to get to this person's house from Target. Well, I get out of Target parking lot, and I'm like, I'm gonna turn left, and I'm going all the way down this road and then I'm going to take a right, and I'm going to go all the way down this road. I'm going to take another right and go all the way down this road. And it was like a 30-minute drive the way I knew how to go. Well, I start turning left out of Target, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, babe, I love you very much, but the track record's not there for me to really listen to you right now about directions. I'm just going to go the way I know how to go. I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to get there and be mad. Just let me go. You would have thought an atom bomb went off in that car, because it did. And that, like, stirred up a bunch of, I mean, we started yelling at each other. I mean, I'm saying stuff. She st the kids are in the car crying in the back of the car. And we, I, I went my way. I went my way, and we did end up there. And uh, we get there, and all of a sudden, uh, we're both mad, by the way. Have y'all ever been to a place where someone shows up, and you're like, They've been fighting on the way here. Like, they, they were, like, that was us. We showed up. I'm sure the kids, I'm sure Reuben was just like, mom and dad yelled at each other in the car the whole way here. I'm sure he announced it to everybody. So we get there, and uh, mind, it took 30 minutes to get there, but we got there. We got there, and the topic somehow comes up. It always does, right? The topic somehow comes up. And uh, we start telling them about this fight we had. They're some of our best friends, so we opened up a little bit. I was like, that really bothered me, but that really made me feel this, and then that made me feel this, and then we started saying these things. And they were like, well, where were you coming from? I said, I was coming from Target. They were like, Clint, you were five minutes from our house. If you would have just turned right, you would have been here, right? 
And I had, I looked at Steph, I said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You know, that's tough for a man to say, all right? But I said it, I did. I apologized, I said I was wrong. And, uh, but I'll tell you, uh, it's kind of funny. We've all kind of been there, right? Like there's certain things that couples fight with. Ours is directions in the car. But what happens after the fact is not funny. In fact, I left that house that night. I was still mad. I was bothered. And all of a sudden, the accusations started to come my way. The accusations started to come my way. I started thinking, what kind of husband are you? You would talk to your wife that way. Like you would raise your voice at your wife. Like, don't you love her? And your kid, what kind of example are you setting for the kids in the back of the car? How are they going to treat their spouse now? Like, why did you say that? And then I started, at this time I was a worship pastor. This time I'm thinking, the thought comes to my head like, and you're a pastor? You, you say these things to her and you're a pastor? You're going to get up and leave people? Are you kidding me? Like, and all of a sudden, something that was supposed to be funny, something that's supposed to be lighthearted, all of a sudden turns and it gets personal, right? Because that's what the devil does. He accuses. He accuses. He accuses. I know that the devil's been accusing some of you in this room, even today, even on the way here, accusing you. You're never going to be good enough. Man, you screwed up again. That's all you do. Is all, all you do is mess up. He's been accusing you and accusing you. But I want to let you know, here's my prayer for you. Tonight, And moving forward, here's my prayer for you. It says this in Isaiah 54. I pray that no weapon formed against you will succeed. That no weapon formed against you will succeed. We've heard this verse before in church plenty of times, but the second part of that verse is just as important. I want to pray that uh, that you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. Every voice, even the voice of the enemy, even the voice of the devil that's going to rise up and he's going to accuse you. So we're going to talk about him being the accuser tonight. I want to read this verse to you. It's in Revelation chapter 12. What I'm about to read you has not happened yet in history. This is going to happen at some point, but it says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, okay, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. So I also want to give you some good news first. We win. The accuser gets thrown out of heaven and he will never deal with him ever again. But right now, this verse, it's telling us that he is standing before God and he's accusing you day and night. And sometimes you get a glimpse into that happening. You hear this in your own head. And I think it's funny, the word it used there for uh, the devil called the accuser is used 35 times in the New Testament. There's no other name for the devil that's used more than this name. And that name is Diablos. Y'all say Diablos. Come on, y'all got to say it with a little Hispanic. Diablos. Y'all got to come on, say it. There we go. And so that's what that word is. It's used 35 times. In the New Testament, that's more than any other name. And it's because that's what he's most known for. He's the accuser. He's going to sit and tell you everything you've done wrong. He's going to make you feel like crap for it too. And he's tricky. Because before you sin, he's a liar. He's a deceiver. We talked about that last week. Before you sin, he lies. He says, hey, it's not a big deal. You're never going to get caught. It's just this one time. Or this is the best one. Oh, this is the last time. You won't, you won't do it anymore after this. How many of y'all have ever said that about something? Like, I'm never going to do this again, right? That's a lie. He gets you to believe that. He's lies to you. Before you sin, he's a liar. After you sin, he's an accuser. 
So he gets you, he traps you with these lies, and he lures you in. But as soon as you make this bad decision and you sin, it's a, he switches the bait on you, and all of a sudden he's accusing you. He's telling you things like, man, you're nothing. You're not going to amount to anything. No one's ever liked you. How could God love you? You're pathetic. Your life is ruined. He says all these things. That's who he is. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. He deceives before you sin, and he accuses after you sin. I think this is important. You can write this down. It would be on the screen if I did it this week, all right? When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. But when the devil talks to you about you, he accuses. Anything he says about you is an accusation. There's nothing the devil says about you that is true. It's all, actually, I'm not even gonna say that. Some of it might be true. Some of it might be true. You may have made a mistake. But it's an accusation in order to tear you down so that he can get you exactly where he wants you so he can destroy you, which we'll talk about that next week. So today, we're going to look at a story. I like this story. This story is honestly fairly new to me. I haven't, this isn't like a famous story. It's found in the book of Zechariah. All right, so good luck spelling that, whoever's writing that down. Zechariah. Um, But how many people in here love like law and order? Anybody like law and order? Come on. Uh, Stephanie's all about it. She loves any drama like that. I can't, it's too dark for me. I can't handle that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you don't like Law & Order, how many of y'all have ever seen A Few Good Men? Come on. You've seen it on TNT, TBS a thousand times, and everyone's only seen the court scene at the end. You know what I'm saying? But Law & Order SVU's got some good court scenes, but nothing compares to A Few Good Men, right? If I tell you, you want the truth, what are you going to say? You can't handle the truth, baby, right? Like you have to, you just, everybody loves that part of the movie. It's awesome. And all of a sudden, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise gets him, right? He traps him, he gets him. And, uh, and I love that. But we're going to look at a court scene in the Bible. And the devil's going to try to get somebody. And the thing is this, is the person he's trying to get, he's got a case. Man, he's been working hard. He knows in and out. He knows how to, how to get to this person. And he's trying to get him. And so we're going to look at the story, and there's three characters you got to know about, all right? So we're going to set up the courtroom drama here. God is the judge. I'll say judge. Come on, God's the judge. Joshua is the defendant. You say the defendant. He's also the high priest. That's very important. And then the third character is Satan. He is the, what is it, the prosecutor. That's the right word. Y'all say prosecutor. All right, so don't forget, he's the accuser. All right, so this is his job. And we have this scene, and Satan is trying to prove that Joshua, the high priest, is guilty. And the thing is that he has a case because Joshua had filthy robes as a high priest. And back then, everything that the high priest wore was symbolic of something. It meant something. So the cleanliness of their clothes meant something. The type of robe they had on. They had, he probably had a car heart like this, right? right? So he, uh, he probably, this was nice. And the tassels were nice. His little hat cone hat thing was nice, and the, the shoes were meant to mean something. Everything was meant to mean something. His belt, everything. And so the fact that his clothes are dirty is a big deal because not only was it an outward dirtiness, it was a sign of inward dirtiness. Joshua had actually made some mistakes. He had actually done some things that was bad. He actually did some things that were not right, that he was probably ashamed of. And so Joshua was probably coming to this courtroom thinking, oh, man, he got me. Like, there's no way I'm going to get out of this, Right? And here's what the Bible says, Zechariah chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you want to follow along, you can. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. We'll put a pin in that. We're going to talk about that in a second. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, 
The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man just a burning snit, uh, stick snatched from the fire? What he's saying there is, this is insignificant. It's not the whole, this, you're, you're bringing me something small here. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Now who's this angel? We'll talk about this for a second. I'm not very smart, but I'm going to tell you something that's going to make me sound smart, and I want to make you sound smart, okay? I'm going to teach you a word uh, that we learn in, in Bible school and all these things. It's called a Christophany. Y'all say Christophany. All right, now, your challenge this week is to work that into a dinner conversation. All right, so there's, there's your word challenge. you got to work that in somehow. Um, Christophany means this. It was a moment in Scripture before Jesus was born that he appeared in Scripture. So before Jesus was born, he was in heaven, right? Like he wasn't on earth. But there are some moments where Jesus appears on earth in a Christophany moments, right? That's what that means. And so one of those moments, if you've ever heard of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you're a VeggieTales fan, Rack, Shack, and Benny, all right, they get thrown into the fiery furnace, and all of a sudden the king is like, wait, didn't we put three people in there? I see four people in there. Well, that was a Christophany. That was Jesus appearing before Jesus was born. That was a Christophany. And so this is what's happening in this room. And all of a sudden, this has happened. Jesus is actually advocating for Joshua. He shows up and he's like, hey, devil, I rebuke you in my name. You know, I rebuke you. And you can't come in here and do these things. You brought me here with something small. Now get out of here. But he does notice that, that, that Joshua actually looked out of place. You see, uh, for a high priest to have dirty robes, that was very out of place. That would be like you showing up to a UT football game in an Alabama jersey. Like you just wouldn't do it. You know, it would be like going to a Titans-Ravens game in a Ravens jersey. Like, We'll break your kneecaps if you do that around here now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't do that. Uh, and this is exactly what Joshua is feeling. He's feeling so out of place. And you can imagine, like, Satan getting up there and go, Look, God, see, see, his robes are dirty. That means he's done something wrong. See, look, look, he probably did. When no one was looking, he did, I saw him, he did this. That's the type of person that the devil is. He's just accusing. He's pointing. He's just, just a terrible dude. I can't stand this guy. But the thing is, is that he does this to you. He does this for me. To me, here's what these accusations sound like. The devil will get in my ear. He'll go, why do you struggle with anger so much? Like, why do you raise your voice so much? Why do you lose your temper? Aren't you supposed to be a pastor and you can lose your temper like super easy? Hey, remember that thing that you lied about? Remember that thing, like there's no way they're going to trust you again after you lied to them. And really, I'm going to get personal. This is, this is for real. I'm being just complete transparent with you. A lot of times he goes, why are you so overweight? Haven't you been working on that for like a really long time? And you're still overweight? You can't get healthy? Don't you think they'd love you more if you were healthier? And don't you think you'd have a lot more opportunity if you were healthier, but uh, well, you're lazy and you have no self-control, I guess? That's what it sounds like in my life. What's it sound like in your life? Maybe it's something like, hey, don't you have that thing that you've been lying about to everybody about for years? Aren't you afraid they're going to find out? Well, what if I tell everybody, right? Or maybe for you, it's like, man, you yell at your kids an awful lot for someone that's a Christian, right? Maybe this is you. Hey, remember that affair you had? You cheated on your spouse and you ruined your, your marriage. Remember that? Man, wasn't that awesome? Man, great job. You couldn't keep up with that marriage. 
Or maybe you were on the receiving end of an affair. And maybe your accusation is, man, you're never going to find someone again. You're always going to be alone. You're not going to find anybody. Are you kidding? You're so unlovable. This person couldn't even, they left you for somebody else. And maybe for you, it's, hey, uh, maybe your dad left when you were, when you were a kid and you're like, hey, these people are just going to leave you too. You can't trust anybody, right? You can't trust anybody. No one can even love you. You're unlovable, right? Or maybe for you, uh, man, remember that time you filed for bankruptcy and almost ruined your life? Remember that? Like you couldn't be responsible with, you're so irresponsible with your finances. I can't believe you even had to go through that, right? Like, man, you have so much debt, you're never going to see the light of day again. Man, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you, man, hey, you know how you've been addicted to porn for years. You're never going to kick this. You're never going to be able to stop. You're never going to be able to turn it off. Oh, yeah, one more time. Well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but you're never going to be able to do it. Or maybe for you, like you made this mistake in high school, and all of a sudden you got pregnant at the wrong time. And his accusation is, man, you couldn't even have self-control then. Now you have this kid that's ruining your life. Like, what are you going to think? Man, what, what are you even doing with your life? You're never going to make ends meet. You're never going to find a man that's going to love you when you have a kid. I know that's personal, but that's exactly who we're dealing with. He gets in your ear. He starts accusing you of things that, yeah, they might be true. Yeah, maybe I did make this mistake. Maybe I did do this. But he's accusing you to get you down. But I want to give you all some good news. Can I give you some good news? Come on, I think y'all need some good news right now. I've got a little quiet in there. Um, I want to tell you this. The devil is your accuser, but Jesus, he's your advocate. Come on. The devil is your accuser, but Jesus is your advocate. It says this in 1 John. My dear children, I'm writing you this so that you won't sin. All right? But if anyone does sin, now listen, I'm not a fool. You're going to walk out here and someone's going to cut you off and you're going to want to say a bad word. Okay? I get it. And you might. Guess what? You're going to mess up. You're going to make more mistakes, okay? I'm not trying to tell you you have to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But when you do mess up, I want you to know this. I want you to remember this. When you do sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. His name is Jesus, and he's the only one who is truly righteous. Now listen, the devil is bad, but Jesus is so much better. Jesus is your advocate. He's in your corner. He's the one saying, hey, listen, I don't care what you say, devil. I'm telling you right now, I love this person. I gave everything for this person. I'm going to make this person new. That's our advocate. And he's there pleading before God himself in our, in our place. And that's the type of God that we serve. And so the devil, here we are, we're back in the courtroom scene. The devil is pleading his case against Joshua. He's like, look, his clothes are dirty. He can't even keep it together. He's a priest. Are you kidding me? This is the worst priest ever. He's doing all these things. And then it says this in chapter 3, verse 4 of Zechariah. The angel said, who's Jesus, to those who were standing before him, said, Joshua, they said to, he said to Joshua, take off your filthy clothes. So Joshua takes off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. He's telling Joshua, yes, you're dirty. Yes, you might sound guilty, but I'm telling you, I'm making you new. Jesus told a similar story. Y'all remember the story of the prodigal son? The dad, or the son goes to the dad, and he's like, hey man, you're loaded, and I want my cut now. And so he leaves the family farm, and the dad gives him his share of his inheritance, essentially. And it says that this, this boy, the this son, he ran off into a far country, and he parted it all away. 
okay? He goes out there, he's drinking too much, smoking too much, he's hanging out with people, he's sleeping around, he's doing all this terrible stuff, and all of a sudden, he looks at his bank account, there ain't no stimulus check coming for him, all right? So it's over. He's lost all of his money, he has nothing left. And he finds himself eating the same food that pigs are eating in a pigsty. Now, my in-laws are farmers. I've seen some pigs. That's nasty. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's real gross. And there he is. He's in the lowest of lows. He's sitting there. He's eating the same food. And he literally says, surely it is better to be a servant at my father's house. Like, I've got to go back. But he didn't want to go back. You wouldn't either. How hard is it to say, I'm sorry? And so he's like, all right, I'm going to go back, but I'm going to practice my I'm sorry speech the whole way there. So here he is. He's walking. He's walking. He's thinking, I'm going to get back, and my dad is going to be so mad. I don't even know if he'll let me in. Like, I don't even know if he'll even let me down the driveway. You know, like, I, I messed up big. I wasted all of his money that he worked for. But little did he know that every day his dad would get up, and his dad would head to the front porch, and he would look out at the long road leading up to his house just to see if his son was right there. And he wasn't. So he would go back. He'd come out the next day. Is my son coming? Nope, he wasn't. But one day, the dad looks up and he sees a little person come up from over the horizon. And he's like, man, that, that, that's, he's walking an awful lot like my son walks. No, that, this can't be him. He's, gone, he's been gone for too long. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that he hiked up his robe and he hightailed it down there to meet his son. And before his son could say a word, Dad's like, I don't want to hear it. I love you. And his dad put on a new robe on him. He gave him fresh sandals. He said, hey, we're killing the fat cows today, baby, because we're going to eat some prime rib. I'm happy my son has come home. That's exactly what Jesus is doing in this story. He's looking at Joshua saying, hey, I know your clothes are dirty. I know you've made mistakes, but hey, you're getting something new today. And I'm telling you right now, that offer stands for every person in this room right now. God can make anything new. He can take away anything. He can make anything. He can restore anything. He can put anything back together. Nothing's too broken for God. He did it for Joshua. It goes on to say this in chapter 3, verse 5. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. I need a turban. When I shave my head, it's cold outside. I need something on my head. So they put a turban on his head, and they clothed him. And while Jesus, the angel of the Lord, stood by, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. I want you to hear this right now. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will just walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. He didn't say, hey, man, I'm going to let you back, but you're on probation. If you mess up one time, I'm telling you, I'm going to take you out, dude. He didn't say, hey, you cannot come here again. You've messed up too bad. Get out of here. No. He essentially looks at him and says, hey, get back in my house and keep serving. That same thing is true for you today. No matter how bad you've messed up, no matter how bad Satan is in your ear accusing you, it is never too late to get back into the house of God. It's never too late to serve. It's never too late for you to get back here. You're not too far gone. Nobody is. He's telling you the same thing today. Get back in the house of God and serve. Get back and live for me. Just come on, just try. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment. So if you've failed, if you've fallen, if you've messed up, receive that today. Just get back. Come on. Just keep coming back here. 
This isn't the end-all, be-all for your Christian walk, but just keep showing up on Sunday nights. I promise you, you're going to leave feeling encouraged. You're going to leave feeling built up. I'm not here to tear you down. I want you to leave thinking, man, I got this this week, because you do. Man, if that's the only thing you do, get back here. I don't care if you cussed out every volunteer coming in this place. Sit your butt in the seat and be encouraged. And I promise you, God will begin to change your life, I'm telling you. But we have to be careful. We have to clarify what an accusation looks like and what a conviction looks like. Because sometimes they look similar, but they're very different. An accusation will drive you away from God. Accusations will drive you away from God. A conviction will always drive you to God. So if right now you're being accused of something by the devil and it's taking you further away from God, that's from the devil. That's not from the Holy Spirit. If it's from the Holy Spirit, he'll say, hey, come to me. His kindness, the Bible says, leads to repentance. His kindness leads to repentance. Another thing, an accusation brings guilt and shame. When you start believing I am a mistake instead of I made a mistake is when you start feeling shame. You're not a mistake. Accusation is going to lead to guilt and shame. But conviction leads to repentance. It leads to you understanding that, man, the way I'm going is not the right way. I got to turn around. I got to go this way. I got to go back to the things I know. When Satan accuses, he wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to experience regret and remorse. That's not what God has for you. Do you know the biggest window in your car is the windshield for a reason? Because what's happening in front of you is always more important than what's happening behind you. But Satan wants to accuse you and make you think that what happened back here is way bigger deal than what God has for you out here. God always has bigger things for you out front. Listen, you're going to make mistakes along the way. You're going to experience these things. But man, experiencing remorse from the past is never God's plan for you, ever. Some of you have made big enough mistakes that you can't move on from your past. But I want to tell you today, move on. That's an accusation from the enemy. That's not truth. Move on today. When the Spirit convicts, he draws you into God's presence. It's different. It's life-changing. It's not life-draining. It's life-changing. You know, Jesus knew this, and he taught his disciples so well. He got a group of 12 together and spent three years with these dudes, and these dudes were dumb. All right, they were dumb as rocks. All right, they were do the dumbest. They would say the dumbest stuff to him, and he taught them how to live this out. And when the Holy Spirit showed up, man, they turned the world, these people, uneducated people, they turned the world upside down. And one of them, who's actually Jesus' brother, wrote this to James. He says this, make this your regular practice. Confess your sins to each other so you can be healed and whole. That's why we have groups. We have groups here so you can find freedom. Everybody in this room wants to be healed and whole. There's not one person on earth that you will meet that's like, you know what, I think I would love to be broken for the rest of my life and like hate life and not have any hope, right? No, everybody wants to be healed and whole. Well, Jesus, or the Bible says the only way to do that is to get around people. And so one way you can fight the accuser is to get yourself in a group. Do life with people. We've already started groups. I don't care. You can start a group this week. I'm giving you permission right now to break the rules, start a group this week, okay? Start one, get around people, because what happens is when you start sharing these things like, man, I'm really struggling with this today, or I really made this mistake, they're going to look at you and go, man, me too. Let's do this thing together. That takes power out of the enemy's hand when we can join a group. Man, the ladies group rocking and rolling on Tuesday night. Where do y'all meet? Panera Bread? What time? 
6.30, Panera Bread. If you're a lady in this room, come on. Go to that group. I promise you're going to have, she comes home every week. I watch the kids, and she comes home just so happy, and she's introverted. So that's got to mean something, right? I want to tell you this. The devil, he knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But let me tell you this. God, he knows your sin, but he calls you by name. He knows everything you've ever done. He knows you more than you know you. And that, I don't know about you, but if he's looking at my life, that's bad. I'm not a super awesome, I haven't been a super awesome person my entire life. I have a hard time living this stuff out. I'm going to be honest with you. And he knows all that, but he still calls me Clint. He still calls me his son. And the same is true for you. So how do we do battle against the evil one? Joe, you can come up. Bring the Holy Spirit down with that thing, man. Um, So how do we fight against this? Well, give me a little spoiler. Is it going to be the same answer as we had last week? But I want to read this to you. I told you earlier, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Second Corinthians, it says this. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. If you're a believer in this room, I want to tell you that right now. You don't wage war. You don't fight like other people fight. You're different. Okay? You're different. You don't have to get on Facebook and tell people how wrong they are whenever they you know, disagree with you politically or anything. You don't have to do that. You don't fight like that. That's not us. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world, which right now is honestly a keyboard on your phone. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish any stronghold. You hear that? So that thing in your life that you think could never change, you have divine power from God himself to demolish every stronghold that the enemy has on you. And we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen, this is important. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. How do you take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ? You use God's word. So when all of a sudden Satan starts to accuse you, you go, no, not today, Satan, because here's what I know. And you tell him some scripture. The devil can't be around truth. He's the father of lies. He can't be around it. And so if you come up here and you're like, your accusation is, man, you're such a failure. You should be ashamed of yourself. Here's what you tell the devil. I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And in Christ, I'm a new creation. So devil, you can't come at me with those old tricks. I'm new. I've been made new. That's what you need to tell him. You're in a war. This is serious. He's attacking every day. You have to know these things. And maybe, maybe your accusation is, man, God's just punishing me. I don't know if I'm going to get through this. There's so much bad that happens in my life. And your life is just full of negativity all the time. Well, guess what? You look at the devil and you say, hey, my father is a good father. He gives good. Every perfect gift, in fact, is from my father. That's what you tell him. And you say, hey, devil, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. Because he works all things together for those who love him. He works all things together for the good. That's what you tell him. You can also tell him, hey, devil, you might be coming at me, but I'm considering it all joy when I face trials because I know that that's going to really build up perseverance. So, hey, you might be thinking you're telling, tearing me down, but God's using this to build me up. That's what you tell the devil. If that's you, maybe your accusation is, man, after what you did, God's not going to come through for you. Man, you're worthless, right? You're, like, you're going to be in big trouble when they find that out. Well, guess what? You can tell the devil this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It also says this. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, I'm going to pray, devil. And you're, this situation that you're putting me in and that man, you're trying to get me down in, in this situation, I'm going to pray. Because I know when I pray, I bring these things to God, the peace that surpasses all understanding is going to fill my life. That's true for you. Did you know that today? Maybe, maybe for you, 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 the accusation is, man, God is so disappointed in you. You remember what you did those years? Do you remember that? He's so, how could God even love you right now? Man, I, you've been uh, evil. You've been more evil than me. Maybe that's him telling you these things. I want you to tell him this. No, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus. Things don't conquer me. My past doesn't conquer me. I conquered these past through Jesus. I have the power of the Holy Spirit rushing through my veins, devil. That's what you tell him. You can also say, hey, I, I know that you're trying to tell me that God doesn't love me, but I want to tell you that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever separate me from God's love. You're a liar, devil. That's what I would tell him. And you could tell, hey, you know what? My God's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Uh, My God is for me. And the Bible says, if God's for me, then you can't even be against me because God's for me. I'm going to tell you, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. You've already won the battle. You already have the Holy Spirit in you. And when the devil starts accusing, when he comes knocking, you answer with Scripture. Every time, answer with Scripture. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. And so you have to know God's Word. So this week, if I can beg you to do anything, get your nose in that book. And it's not about you getting into the Word. It's about the Word getting into you. Because you can never say with your mouth God's Word until that's hidden in your heart. And when it's hidden in your heart, it'll be there when you need it. It's like Batman's magical belt, right? Like it's all those tools. It's so cool. Guess what? So do you. You got the tool of God's Word. And the devil can't stand up against it. Nothing can stand against it. Nothing can. And th- am I promising you're not going to have bad days? Heck no. I would never tell you that. I had a bad week this week. To be honest with you, a few days were not great. And a few days, I did not do this very well. I'm going to be honest. Stephanie had to tell me, you need to start looking in the mirror and start preaching to yourself. Not in a mean way, but just like, hey, you have to believe this stuff too. I'm telling you, man, I I told her right here, I've never been this excited about having church because that battle wasn't won by the devil this week. It wasn't, and it won't be. And the battle you're facing doesn't have to be won by the devil. It can be won. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. If you're in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I just want to tell you because I love you. You're going to lose this battle. In fact, you've already lost But the good news is that Jesus already paid the price for you to have a relationship with him. All you have to do, all you have to do is accept him in your life. Put your faith in him. And he comes in your life, and guess what? When he comes in your life, you get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is powerful stuff, man. And you need that in your life right now. So if you've never made that decision, on the count of three, if you want to make that decision, I want to invite you just to raise your hand and say, Clint, I want to make that decision today. And I would love to pray for you. All right, so on the count of three, if you want to make that decision, just raise your hand. One two, three. You can put your hands down. If you want to do that, you can just say this prayer after me in your heart. This prayer doesn't save you. Uh, It's nothing magical, but I do believe this is a way to articulate kind of what you're feeling. Say, dear God, I need you. I invite you to come into my life. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. 
And I need you to be Lord of my life. And in the best way I know how, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, y'all give a hand to those who made that decision tonight. Hey, I am so excited about next week. We're going to be talking about the destroyer, how he's a destroyer. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All right, so we've been talking about each of the other two things. Third thing is destroyer. I'm super excited about it, but don't come alone. All right, bring somebody with you. You don't have to wait till Easter either. Just drag them in here. They can sleep in, and it's super awesome. It'll be great, all right? And uh, one more thing. If you want to continue to worship with us uh, through giving, you can visit our website, oasistn.church. You can partner with us that way. We would absolutely be honored if you did that. But, hey, next week, 4 o'clock right here, we're going to end this series, and I cannot wait to see you. We hope you have an awesome week. Am I missing anything? Give a meal tomorrow, 4.30, right here in this parking lot, right over here, all right? So if you can come be here. I promise it's super easy. It's super fun, but y'all have a great week. We're praying for you. If you need anything, reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you. Okay. Y'all have a great week.